Welcome to Conscious Conversations. I'm Nitin Garg. And I'm Nick Paladino King. We are transformational coaches from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Conversations that lead to real life shifts tend to happen only by chance. We are here to change that. Our mission is to create transformational conscious conversations so that you can experience powerful insights to live a life filled with more passion, purpose, and prosperity. Together with our guests, we will raise the collective consciousness of the planet one conversation at a time. So join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present, and get ready for a powerful conscious conversation. All right, welcome into a very fun and different uh, conscious conversations today. Nathan and I have invited some personal friends to be our guests to come together, have some real talks about life, about parenting, about relationships, about things that we're all currently working through. So we are uh, we're very excited for today's conversation. What we'll do is I'll start by grounding us, doing a little meditation, and then from there we'll introduce introduce our guests, and we will see where this conversation takes us. So if you're listening at home. Everyone else on the show, feel free to close your eyes, take a moment, take a big inhale in through your nose. A nice big open mouth exhale. You can wiggle your shoulders, release some tension if it's there or your jaw. Notice if there's any tension in your forehead, your shoulders and your chest and your body. If, If so, bring some awareness to it. See if you can just move it around a little, get some things to settle, to still, and allow yourself to be present. Allow yourself to be here with us, to be here with yourself for the next hour. And from there, you can begin to find a breath that feels right to you, not too fast on the inhale. Not too fast on the exhale, but just right. Take a moment here to find your pace, find your rhythm, your tempo of inhale. And exhale. And then you'll know you found a breath, a pace, a tempo that's right for you when you feel a sense of release or relief in your mind in your body, a sense that everything right now is unfolding just as it should be, just as it's supposed to be in this moment, right here, right now. And can you take a moment to breathe into that feeling that everything's happening just as it's supposed to be? Breathe into yourself, breathe into presence. Nice. Then from here, you can start to inhale in through your nose for four count in. One, two, three, four. And now exhale, lengthen your breath out for up to an eight count out. So doing your best here to inhale for a four count. 
and exhale for an eight count, lengthening your exhale, descending your breath downwards, grounding you, rooting you into this moment. If that feels like too much, maybe do three seconds in, six seconds out, but really just trying to double your exhale, making it longer, smoother, steadier. If you'd like to add on some imagery, you can breathe into your belly. And then on your exhale, see, sense, or feel that your breath is going down your legs, down your shins, down your feet, into the earth. Again, rooting you, grounding you. Do that a couple more times on your own. You're doing it perfect. Breathe in, lengthen your exhale down into the earth. Nice. You can finish the breath you're on. When you're done with that round, bring your hands to your heart. Take a moment. And for all of us on the show and for all of us listening, I invite us all to take a moment to set an intention for how we want to be, how we want to think, feel, how we want to show up in the world today. And you can set that intention in your heart with a big inhale in through your nose. And another nice, big, open mouth exhale. Perfect. When you're ready, you can flutter open your eyes, come back into the space you're in, and get ready to have a nice, present, conscious conversa conversation. Well, I feel more present. Uh, I also threw that meditation in there because Nathan and I, we talked about that on last month's or maybe last week's episode. So I wanted to throw that in there in case anyone listened before. Now they actually have the technique of that one to two breath. Really nice way to ground yourself and release stress and increase, improve presence. Uh, so with that, we're going to go around, just do a little popcorn, introduce ourselves, who we are, and uh, why we're here today. So Katie Abbott, you want to kick it off for us? Sure thing. So I'm Katie Abbott. I'm a healthcare executive working to solve some of the industry's most complex issues um, in a very human-centered way. I also have a coaching practice that helps female leaders build an empowered relationship with their stress so they no longer have to sacrifice health and well-being for success. Um, I'm also a wife, an avid yogi, and I have a new baby girl who's going to be six months in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Awesome, Katie. Thanks so much. And anything that you're excited to talk about today specifically? Yeah. So I'm getting ready to go back to work after seven months of maternity leave. And so I'm figuring out how to navigate that in a really balanced and grounded way. Awesome. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for being here. Courtney? Yeah. Hey guys. Good to see everybody. Um, my name's Courtney Quattrini and, um, I have a brand called stories we tell and I'm starting there because it's hard to just say what I do or who I am. Um, I'm really passionate about stories that's looked like corporate communications for about 20 years and executive coaching. Um, and more recently I had a little, or a big career change to um, be a marriage and family therapist. And I'm doing some coaching with uh, teenagers around finding their authentic voice, 
their purpose. Um, so yeah, everything kind of centered in stories. And what I'm excited to talk about today, um, tapping into authenticity is um, also parenting, but through the lens of someone who isn't a parent. And I'll say more about that when we get there. Thanks for having us or me. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. Hey everybody, it's my pleasure to be here and it's amazing Katie and Courtney to hear your sort of your background and stories. Um, my name is Ruchi. I work in the sustainability space. I work for a global financial and health services company called Sun Life. Um, this is my first time ever sort of doing a, a podcast like this. I'm super excited um, and I would love to talk about being a new mom. So on the parenthood train um, and balancing work in life. It's it's not a perfect balance, but trying to get there. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much for introducing yourselves. We're excited to have you all on here. And I'm, there's already some threads that we're going to go through. So Nathan, you want to start it off? I know you had some ideas and some questions to get us going. Uh, but why don't we go from there and then we'll see where this conversation takes us. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, already there's a somewhat of a theme definitely emerging uh, from the the topics that we just talked about. I think the big the big question we just all had on mind was um, that we were leaning into was just what's a what's a challenge or um, you know an area where you all three of you touched a little bit on that. But what what's a core challenge you're seeing either in your personal or professional life that seems like you know something you've been maybe trying you've perhaps tried a few ten things to try to address it and maybe it would even be good to talk about what you have tried um as you're leaning into this next challenge so katie I, you know i heard you talk about you're looking at going back into work after having been on maternity for a while courtney you said there's something around parenting that's emerging which is still a mystery so you'll unravel that for us maybe do you want to actually take us there so we have a sense of what's on your mind sure um not surprising that this is coming up when I'm looking at Nick. I feel like uh, Nick and I have done some really deep work together that oftentimes connects to my womb. So yeah, I'll go there. I was not planning on bringing this up today, but um, the these two lovely ladies brought in their mamahood or journey. Um, and so I turned 41 last week, um, which... For me, I'm a twin. And so normally I celebrate birthdays big. I, there's something about being a twin, I think, where oftentimes you're like, you've shared a birthday for so long that when you can do it on your own, you go big. And this past birthday, I got, I was really quiet and I would, wanted to explore why. And I won't give you my whole life story, but long story short, um, I recently moved in with my partner. He has two children and I do not have any bio babies. Um, and the grief has been there for a while around being, there's this term childless mother where you feel like a mama, um, but you don't have your own kids. And moving into a space with my partner and setting up a beautiful space for his kids brought up a ton. And I kind of was um, shying away from it for a while. And I feel like there's pregnancy and also loss around becoming a parent. Um, and kids, I'm doing a lot of child therapy work everywhere. And I'll pause in a second. So for me, it um, I guess what's worked was leaning into the grief and practicing more of this polarity that there's always an and. I can be really, really 
content and happy and have manifested this beautiful life and be sitting with a ton of grief around feeling like I'm at a point in time where one dream that I had might not be um, happening. So at least in this lifetime. Um, yeah. So I'll leave it there. It's a little long-winded, but that's the truth. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, I know that's, that's, you know, something deep uh, and especially with your background and, you know, being a family therapist, you know, it, there's a whole different, I don't know, almost, I want to say how you're holding the space for yourself in that, um, knowing the intricacies of what that involves. And one, something that's coming up for me just around that is like, I'm curious if you can share just a little bit of as you're looking at that, what are the ways in which you're finding, you said leaning into the grief, what does that mean? Is is there, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think I've been dancing around the grief for a while. Um, and on my birthday, the morning of, I just did a grief meditation and I let the tears flow. And I, I just tried to let the judgment go. I also think it's being honest with people. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about it now. And especially my mama friends and their community, um, they have been so gracious in the recognition of that grief because they're in many instances on the other side of it. And I think I'm surrounded by people who don't try and fix or do anything with the grief. They just honor it. Um, and being around children is actually <laughs> incredibly helpful um, because it, in a way when, you know, women or parents or people open up their communities um, and it feels a little more like communal parenting or familial, that I think is what nourishes mm -hmm. the grief for me. And so I'm really, really grateful to, to my tribe. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for asking. And, and Richie, what's what's, what's yeah. go? I was gonna say, Richie, was, what's uh, up for you? What's what's coming up for you? Courtney, first of all, I just want to share. It's amazing to hear that you're acknowledging this and you're trying to sort of um, figure out what makes sense because I I've been in similar space in some sense. Of course, I have a baby. She's she just turned one. Um, but when I was pregnant and for the first three months, like tears would just flow out and I did not even know what was happening. I thought it was like depression and is it work related? I just couldn't pinpoint. Um, so I had to take some uh, sort of counseling to understand it was hormonal imbalance. Uh, and then it automatically resolved. Uh, but then once I became a mom, like that, that sort of loop again started. Um, I was feeling quite overwhelmed and of course the hormones were, were doing its its thing but I was feeling very overwhelmed uh, I've been working with Nitin on sort of balancing side of things as well um, I typically hold myself to like a self-imposed standard like nobody's asking me to do things certainly right but you feel like you want to be a good mom you want to be great at work and then you're like internally struggling like what is good and um, where do you leave things so 
I'm trying to work on that. I don't, uh, I cannot say that that problem's sort of gone completely, but I've uh, acknowledged it. I've accepted that it's, it's a work in progress. Hmm. Yeah, and even just, just what you just said there is huge. Like just the acceptance of that, okay, I'm going through a journey and there's things I know, there's things I don't know, there's emotions I'm feeling, there's new emotions that you're navigating. And just, I think I love how you just put that there is just even in the journey that you've been on is like, okay, yeah, like, there isn't like one check this box and everything is fixed overnight. It's it is a journey. And I remember at the in, in the very beginning part of our journey, you know, one of the big facets was just the recognition of like, I have entered motherhood and I have a life that, that I'm solely responsible for now and how in hindsight, it always becomes clear because it became clear for even myself and my wife, you know, a year into being parents, which was like, holy cow, like no one prepares for you. Exactly. They kind of prepare you for this, but like not quite. People always talk about getting married as like the big milestone and it is a big milestone. You're, living with someone new and you're integrated into their whole life but i think when becoming a parent having a life that you're responsible for 24 7 just shakes your life in so many unimaginable ways everything from your social life to you know even work all your other responsibilities dreams desires the things you did for fun like all of a sudden all of it has to be reevaluated. so um, thank you. Just like all of that just came up for me as we were talking, because I know our journey has been that for the last six, eight months, uh, and it continues to be a journey, right? It's never finished. It's never finished for me either. <laughs> Katie, Katie, curious, do you want to jump in with anything that's coming up for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I just really appreciate both of you sharing so openly and honestly. And I think, you know, Courtney, the, the piece that you touched on is leaning into the grief and not judging it. And I think that's such an incredibly important and powerful thing as we're all navigating different changes and challenges that come up personally and professionally in relationships. Um, and, you know, something I've worked with Nick on for the last eight years, or, you know, I've, I've worked through, through Nick, um, is to really drop the judgment and get curious of what is that grief telling us or what's that other emotion that's coming up telling us because um, often when we when we judge or at least when I start judging I drop the curiosity and as soon as I stop being curious it becomes really really painful I like that it's uh it's interesting on my end here to, of not being a parent and not wanting to be a parent and I'm going wow like my I feel like I'm starting to judge myself for not wanting that desire internally <laughs> So I'll use Katie's technique and, and not judge. Um, you know, interesting enough for me yesterday, I was at a, a family wedding and got the question multiple times, you know, when are you and your wife having kids? And I don't know about anyone else that actually, I find to be a quite, quite an aggressive question. Um, it's like, what if we couldn't, you know, what if one of us were sterile or what if, you know, something was wrong or um, what if there's financial reasons? So I was, as I was, as you're all talking, I'm kind of wondering like, well, what is parenting? Is there a bigger, is there a more dynamic definition of it rather than to my child? And the other thing that was coming up is 
does it have to be towards a child? Or even more specifically, Courtney, does it have to be towards your child? Maybe there's a bigger view of parenting that could be called in that's not such a an old school, you know, my child look and it looks like this. I'm wondering what's coming up for you, but those are the kind of things I'm starting to feel as we're talking about parenting. That question that we I think most of us get asked, I have a very visceral reaction these days where it's like this, it's like back off. Because to your mm. point, I think for so many of us, it's a journey. It can be a choice, but oftentimes it's not a choice. Um, and it's it feels very societal that you reach a certain age or milestone. And I know this isn't a new conversation, but when you're experiencing it, it's just like, and even when, you know, you do have the answer that maybe you think people want to hear, um, it's still deeply personal. So yeah, Nick, it's interesting to hear from your perspective too, that that's what comes up for you. Because I, I think I talk about this a lot with my, you know, female friends. And so, and to hear the perspective that, you know, you're getting asked that mm -hmm. it, it questions the my own story in my head, that this is something that only, you know, women face. Courtney, as I was listening to you, I just realized like people have been asking me, I mean, I'm a new mom and now they're asking, do you plan to have more kids? And I'm like, can, can I just settle in with this one? <laughs> um, but it is so much like a societal thing. I just feel like we need to create that space for everybody to have one kid, two kids, more kids or whatever. I just feel that question is also sort of very aggressive. It's, it's funny. So Ruchi, just to build on that, we get asked, oh, are you guys, are you going to have a third one? And it was like, oh my God. I think. <laughs> So my, my response to that is usually like two is more than enough. Like if I can just manage these two for now, like I would be happy. You know, we don't need another one. And I could just manage myself. I'm happy. <laughs> I know. A friend and I had this idea that we were going to make like conversation cards for these commonly asked questions when you go to like a baby shower or whatever, and you have all the aunties and we were just going to have like, instead of actually being ready to like hand out a card with like our truth and just set a boundary of like, I'm not going to engage in this conversation, but here's, here's a little conversation card for you because <laughs> it was so predictable, but yeah. And Nitin, as you were sharing, um, you know, as you have a, a child and you kind of have all these realizations about being responsible for another life, that one of the biggest things that's come up for me in the last few months is how important it is that I'm responsible for my life. And I hadn't thought about it in that way before. And so, you know, whether or not you're parenting another human being or a dog or a cat, you know, or even yourself, it's, I was shocked at the amount of responsibility I feel towards myself in a completely different way. Um, and also kind of in the same way, like everything's different, but everything's the same all at once. Um, and, you know, we don't have to ha be responsible for another human to be responsible for ourselves. And, and continue to be in the driver's seat of our own lives. I love that. Yeah. Katie, and, are, you, are you saying that as be, because you become a mom, you feel more responsible for taking care of yourself? Is that what you're hitting at? Almost. It's, it's 
more so I have this realization that my life, like I, I have this ultimate responsibility to myself now to continue to take care of myself and not for my daughter, but for me. And that, that has been a really powerful, I would say, lesson I've learned in the last couple of weeks. Is there something that's, sorry, Nathan, is there something that's, that's created that realization? Is there something that triggered that? I'm interested to know where that came from. Cause that's, I think if we could get all of ourselves to be at that space where you are and everyone else listening, that is an extremely empowered place to, to come from and also then to have a positive impact on the world. So I'm wondering what happened or what was the process for you to get to that piece of like, I matter so much that I, my job is to take care of myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of it is as I was pregnant, I made different decisions with what I put in my body and what I didn't. And now that I'm not pregnant, I have the choice of going back or not. And, um, you know, it, it really is, I think just, a, it feels like a totally different responsibility for myself than it was before. And it, it, I'm, this is still new. So it's a little bit hard for me to put into words. Um, but I, al I also think the other piece is there's this, this thought that when you become a mom, you're no longer as important as you once were. Your life is no longer as important as you once were or as it once was. And I really believe that now more than ever, I have to be okay in order for others in my life to be nourished as well in my presence. And so it feels like more of a, of a responsibility. I'm, I'm really a little bit, but it's like, it's still forming in my, yeah, it almost, it almost <laughs> my sounds space. like you almost sounds like when, if anyone's fasted, like you fast and you pull things out of your life and your body. And then as you put them back in, it's like, Ooh, you know what? Like that coffee doesn't feel as good as I it used to, or having that drink doesn't feel as good or having, you know, meat or whatever your thing is. But that's, to me, it sounds like almost like you fasted for, you know, nine months and you pulled things out and or detox. And then now you're consciously choosing what you want to bring back into your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To me, what I'm hearing, and that's really beautiful, Katie, to Nick's question about macro question, or like, what does parenting mean? What was coming up for me while you were sharing about this, having your own child was just the importance that we have to youth in general, to take care of ourselves so that we can help facilitate you know, their own journeys. And I think, so I'm doing a lot of work with teenagers. And one of the biggest things I hear is a little bit of anger that we aren't taking care of ourselves in some instances or at a macro level. And we're like, well, the youth will fix it. And so not to get too far on a tangent, but when you were talking, I was like, this is really interesting. Um, you know, and it's not just the, like, put your oxygen mask on first. It's literally, we have to take care of ourselves to even be able to show up not just to young people or kids, but to anyone um, and to be a part of this light movement or whatever, whatever we want to call it. And I think that for me asking about the parenting question, it is, um, yeah, I'm taking care of myself so that I can show up to the young people I'm working with because they deserve that. They deserve me to be present and, you know, not saying it's easy, especially for new mamas, but um, 
Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's a really important lesson that you're sharing and I know you're formulating it still, but it sounds, sounds pretty clear. I was just going to add to that and just say like, I, I wonder almost also that is having the time, you know, during while, while you're pregnant. And for me, it was different, of course, as a dad, but at the same time, I think it happened more for me after the child was born where your social life does change a lot, you know, and everything that you did with your time starts to revolve more around the, okay, well, you know, we're also with our newborn child and spending that special time together. There seems to be more time for reflection and less, I would say the same maybe social work routine that was revolving before. Um, I also felt like a double whammy because COVID happened around the same time that my children were born. So there was almost like a flip in schedule and uh, changes with COVID in the day-to-day schedule. And it just, I feel like it created this time to reflect and not be in the usual day-to-day, which then created the oh yeah, I've got to take care of myself and like what's important for me and, you know, have I really thought about my life fully because now I've got another life to support as well. And it didn't quite happen consciously that way, but some aspect of the time and the change in the routine and everything sort of felt like it kicked that into the process. Um, And I'm curious if if that resonates with any of you, if, if you experienced that in any way. I've been, Nitin, I can totally resonate with that. And I've been thinking about what is important to me now, uh, what makes me happy, because I think initially in few months of my early journey, I was spending so much time thinking what will make Anya, who's our daughter, happy, what's best for her, and not even thinking about what I want to do, what will make me happy and feel nourished. So to Katie and Courtney's point earlier, I feel like it needs conscious effort to like sit down and maybe think about what's nourishment uh, for you. Yeah. And Katie, I know you, you know, I, I remember reading, um, you use this term often. In fact, um, you, you know, you, you say, Hey, I'm a nourished leader. And you talk about the concept of nourishment in others' lives. Can you speak to that a little bit? I feel like it's, it's coming up through the thread of all of our conversation. Sure. Yeah. Um, I had a really big experience with professional and and personal burnout um, about six years ago at this point, uh, to the point where I remember sitting in my car, knowing that I needed to make a shift and it was either going to take something very tragic happening to, to make me shift, or I could make the proactive conscious decision to leave the work that I was doing at the time and kind of take assessment of where I was and put the pieces back together one at a time. Um, and I worked in healthcare my entire life. I'm incredibly passionate about the health and well-being of, of individuals and populations and teams. And, um, you know, I was really at a place in work where I didn't see any health or wellness around me um, in any leader that I was working with or for. Um, and to me, that was just, that's huge. This, this moment of like, I'm working in healthcare. The people I'm surrounded by are are not healthy, kind of in a big, broad term of what health looks like. 
Um, and I knew I had, I, I still have a lot of time left to work and I want to work, but I don't want to spend my time so burnt out that I then become a, a patient in one of the hospital beds. Um, and so I really tried to dedicate my time and my energy to fueling myself first and putting myself first and work and at home. Um, and it hasn't been perfect and it's been really challenging, especially over the you know last few years with COVID and um, changing work schedules and relationships. But um, I just didn't want to subscribe to this idea that we have to be unhealthy and unwell to, to be successful and, and to be at work. Yeah. And what are, so as you're talking about that, you know, that, that is such a huge, especially, I mean, what you just said, being in healthcare and seeing the level of burnout and stress, which, you know, is, is common in many other industries too, but like, geez, in healthcare itself, what are some ways you've found to actually, what, what, how did you change that for yourself? And like now, what are some ways you've found a way to keep that balance, create that nourishment while still being in healthcare? It's not like you haven't left healthcare from what I understand. You're still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is where I really take some yoga practices off the mat and into real life. And one of the biggest pieces that just resonates with me as a, as a yogi is this idea of steadiness and ease and where can we find steadiness and ease amongst the chaos. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I try to do is be one of the steadiest people in the room when I'm in a really chaotic meeting or, you know, just a really chaotic timeline or deadlines. Um, I, I try to stay really grounded. And what that looks like is making sure I have hydration. I keep my movement practices. I'm connecting with myself spiritually. Uh, so it's like a lot of work outside of work to be steady. Um, and then it's, it's really also figuring out what to say yes to and what to say no to and not feeling guilty about those no's. Um, and then there's times where all of that goes out the window and I'm not the steadiest one in the room, um, but it, it takes an awareness or a consciousness to realize how long I've been in that space and then be willing to pull myself out of the space and say, hey, you know, I've got to start doing something different and make a shift again. Yeah, it's so it's so cool, Katie, to hear you say all that. And then like in a minute, like you just that was the synopsis of 10 years of work in one minute. You made it sound pretty simple. Pretty simple. And you know, what's I just it's so cool to see those shifts. But and what's coming up for me is the word nurturing actually is my aunt yesterday asked me, Oh, when are you guys getting pregnant? And I said, you know, I said, I actually don't feel a need to have my own children because I feel like the work I do, I nurture so many people around me. So I said, that piece uh, inside of me is fulfilled. That piece of me is filled up that nurtures people and, and helps them grow. And she kind of looked at me like, you know, what the hell are you talking about? But that was my truth, right? Courtney of like, no, no, it's, it's the nurturing aspect and, and to share. I had spent the last 10 years of my life nurturing everyone else around me really, except for myself. And I think to a large extent, it probably didn't look like that to most people that know me, but it was so subtle that I was taking care of everyone else first that it took me having almost a, a, a mental breakdown last year of saying, wow, I'm parenting everyone around me. 
I'm making sure everyone's okay, right? I'm making sure that everyone is taken care of. And at the end of the day, like I don't have any more energy for myself, uh, for my own practices, for my own relationship. And it's like, well, to Katie's point, it's like, do I want to keep doing that and, and go down an inevitable, you know, bad place? Or do I want to make some serious changes and have some serious conversations that make that shift? And it was that piece, you know, Nathan, kind of coming back to your question of like, what did it take? It took awareness. It took, it took a moment to be like, enough's enough. And right. And if we look at some basic teachings, one, one, the Dalai Lama teaches is you start with yourself, you fill yourself up first. Then from there, then you start to nurture your community and the people directly around you. And then, and then you start to then nourish the world. Right. And I, I think we're, we're so trained to be the opposite way in today's world. And maybe that's because of social media, but it's like, go, you know, go save the world first. It's like, well, if we're not saving ourselves team. If we're not parenting ourselves, if we're not nurturing ourselves, then, then it's just the blind leading the blind. Because if I haven't walked the walk, if I, if similar to how Katie, it's like, I want to learn from Katie. I want to understand how she did all that. So that now she can go affect the people she's in a room with. I think that's, that's the key. We nurture ourselves, we pan ourselves. And then, then we can start to have that impact. But those are all things that are coming up for me uh, from all your shares. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a couple of things that are giving me goosebumps almost like as I'm trying to imagine a possibility almost, right? Like imagine if there was a period where we're able to say, oh, people in healthcare, oh yeah, you know, they represent the best of how people take care of themselves. Like not only is this industry functioning, you know, and they figured out a way to work and really take care of other people and take care of themselves. And wow, you know, what an example set by the healthcare industry of how you lead and live, you know, where it becomes more pro-life and less sort of just trying to fix diseases. And same thing, frankly, even in sustainability, I know Ruchi, you're in sustainability. I was, I did a gig a couple of years in sustainability myself where there's so much drive around like, okay, you know, climate change is this big, massive issue and the world's falling apart. And there's a lot of like, fire drill mindset, but that frankly, sometimes doesn't let you come up with solutions or have the, the momentum, the stamina to be able to be in it for the long haul when people are just constantly sprinting uh, every day and life isn't a sprint. It's, it, it, you know, we can sprint for short durations, but really it's a, it's a massive marathon, especially once you have kids, it becomes a, a massive marathon. And so I'm, I'm almost like, okay, how, you know, what would it take for us uh, at a macro level to recognize that, hey, when something isn't working, there's always a little bit of push and pull, right? Like there, there's always times when you want to push and you want to lean into something that's difficult and challenge yourself and rise up to your larger potential. But then there's also times when it's like, this isn't working. This is actually deteriorating me as a person. I don't see sort of like to Katie's example, when she wasn't seeing the health around her nor in herself. And there was the recognition of, okay, something's got to change. Almost is calling upon me in this moment. I feel like to say, okay, how do we call upon this change in a larger way? And I'm curious, curious, just what, what's coming up for others. Katie used that term curious too. And what's coming up for me as you're talking is curiosity. And my my Nick Palladino King line is um, it's never outside yourself. Yeah. Um, and with, with what both of you are saying, I, I won't do too much psychobabble, but 
Carl Jung has the, um, you know, wounded healer archetype. And so as you're saying, some of the healthiest or the people who work, work in healthcare are not the healthiest. And we're saying, how do we change that? There's a piece of me that's like, I don't know that it's up to us to change that because I think so many people who come to a place of wanting to help others in their healing journey, it's because of that wounded archetype, uh, wounded healer archetype. But the antidote to me is this curiosity. So even going full circle to where I, I started around, can you hold the curiosity around grief and, and I heard, you know, I think all of us use that term. So that that's, what's coming up for me. And, and of course it's, um, you know, there's a lot of other implications around like who has the time and energy, what does be curious mean? I know there's a pushback against do the work. There's some privilege in that and things like that. So yeah, it's a really interesting question, but for me, it's this curiosity that keeps coming up and being able to sit with. Thanks for sharing, Courtney. Any anyone else? Any so anything coming up for anyone else? I know generally I'm these days having a lot of curiosity about like the how um around things as to how do we approach. Um I would try an approach and then I would want to sort of reevaluate. I'm just listening to Katie and Courtney, I'm feeling like there is so much to learn just from each other, right? How how to manage um, these these emotions. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just generally being curious and, and just learning and soaking. I don't feel like I have a magic bullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to evaluate continuously. I'm definitely going to take that piece you just shared, Courtney, of the the wounded healer. I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot. There's a big answer in that one, Nathan. Of where it's you know it's like there's the um, perpetrator, right? The um, the victim and the savior, right? If you or if you've heard that framework too, it's like oh, actually, I'm all three of those things, or I can be all three of those things. And to realize like what's your wound? What's your what's the thing that you haven't looked at so that you're trying to go get elsewhere? And when people come into my fitness studio, usually nurses and doctors are the most are the two most unhealthy people that come through because they're giving they're giving everything to everyone and anyone but themselves. Um, and we see that with with coaches. I'm I'm starting to see that with coaches, right, Courtney? It's like, oh, it's more of an emotional thing that they haven't worked through, and now they're there to be the one that helps or the savior. It's like, okay, little. So I think it goes back to what Courtney said: it's not outside yourself and turning inward, and then being curious. Okay, what aspects of me aren't nurtured what aspects of me don't feel loved what aspects what aspects of me haven't been fully parented and if you and not from a negative way from a curious way if you can ask yourself those questions then the answers start to come forward it's like oh i was never shown how to be loved so that's what i want to give everyone else like okay there's nothing wrong with that that's actually your superpower but now how do you start to do some inner work and understand what your motivations are what your drivers are and what you need i think if we can do that that's how we start to heal ourselves. And then that's how, you know, we said the, the macro, a macro health environment is created of a micro health environment, right? All five of us doing our best to, to fill ourselves up, no matter what that looks like. And then doing that with our communities, our friends, our families, people listening. It's like, okay, now we're having more than a micro impact, but macro starts within. 
It really does. Macro and being in an environment of macro health, that's micro decisions. Do I eat breakfast? Do I sleep? Do I meditate? Do I get around good friends? Do I have conversations like this? Those things all create a macro environment of health and wellness and, and, and happiness. So I think that's, that's how we get there, at least through, through my lens. You make me think about the macro too, is like, who are the decision makers and how are they caring for themselves and what's driving the decisions they make for on behalf of so many of us too. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about what it would be like to work more closely with decision makers for, you know, at the tippity top of some of these companies to lean into their authenticity and to see how, and I know, I'm not saying, you know, there are obviously people who are doing this, but to this conversation we're having about curiosity for self. So then you can look outward and curiosity about what truly will shift and impact others is a piece that I think we could still keep working on. I mean, the CEO of a company is, is the brain. And if the brain's not healthy, if the brain's not thinking well, then it's going to bring that down in throughout the whole entire body. Just as Katie was talking about in her healthcare experience, like if the system that's trying to get people well is sick, then that tells us that the people inside are sick. So it is, it totally is coordinated that. And I would totally challenge you to, to go deeper into that work of getting around major players. If you can get to one, they can get to a thousand or they can get to 10,000 people and have way more impact than us. Right. And then it's ripples, you know, it's real. I, I, I really do. And, you know, Katie, you've heard me say in a yoga training, I think we've got enough yogis at the front of a room. We could use more yogis in, in government, in schools, in wellness, you know, in policy. It's like, that's where, that's where you'll see those ripples start to start to expand. Yeah, you know, and at the same time, uh, you know, of course, like there are the the large decision makers, and there's that sort of confluence and their reach. To your earlier point too, Nick, is like for each one of us and for everyone that's listening, it's how do we start to make make the micro adjustments in our own lives? So if we're carrying that curiosity for self, which feels like you know, in, in a phrase that sums up our, our really like the core of our conversation today is if we're staying curious about ourselves and we all have the, what's the right balance for each one of us, just like the the right breath for each one of us in a, in a given moment, then that sounds like maybe that's where also in the, from the micro ripples, uh, there starts to be the shift at the macro because there is again, the push and the pull, the organizations also yield and listen to as there, there starts to be a shift in the micro thinking of an organization or, you know, smaller teams. I know Ruchi is, for example, working, you know, very deeply with that in her own uh, and life. And if, you know, if you're open to Ruchi, just sharing a little bit of, you know, some of the changes that you've been making and bringing into your own work environment. Absolutely. And, I've been thinking about small shifts, like boundaries was a big one for me as I transitioned back into my work life. And I did not want to continue with the previous ways of working where I was working early mornings, late nights, and really, because I, I wanted to be visible, I also wanted to do more work to sort of get up the ladder. But now my priorities have changed and that is what I've accepted, that I want to find a balance and not be like, unhappy at the end of the day that oh yes I worked a lot like am I happy as a parent as a mom as a person um 
so yeah, one little step that I took was communicating boundaries, making sure, I mean, these are little things probably everyone knows, but sometimes hard to implement is blocking time on calendar just to like sit and meditate, make sure I get to do my yoga practice. And repetitively saying that in, um, in meetings also, I think that also makes me think of like team culture and I'm a leader, like leading my own little team and how do I want that to um, translate? So I'm trying to practice the things that I believe in so that I can show it across the team. What's an example of something you might say, Richie? So like as in, in your team, as you're fostering the culture, I'm curious, are there one or two examples that you can share? Yeah, for example, I mean, um, one of the managers who works with me, she was really not sick. I mean, sick, but wanted to just like be online um, to finish the work. And I had to really make sure that she's taking the time off. Like it is, work is important, but life is equally important. So sort of just making uh, those small nudges and allowing space for life to also happen and not just like work all the time. That was like one small thing that came up last week where I had to make sure that the team is resting it's the flu season kids were sick across the team um yes just reminding and being mindful thank you and an important thing there richie is they may seem small but they might not be by the way you know setting boundaries can be one of the hardest things for us to do say like katie said saying no can be one of the hardest things and it's so simple but it doesn't mean it's not that doesn't mean it's easy you know there was a, a lady i was talking to last week she had set a boundary for the first time at work and she was beyond distraught because she said i've had enough of being treated like this and i'm not going to take it anymore and she was so mortified it's the word that she was going to be fired and i said good i said good fucking job like way to say no way to set boundaries and She's not going to get fired, but that's the, that's how strong those narratives can be for those little things. Those micro things that you may think they're small, they're not. They really, really matter. And that was something I would share with all of us is the little things really add up. They really, really do. And, and these little interactions that we're all having with people, those really add up. And the way you're showing up, Richie, and that's, that's how you make change. Yeah, one thing I often come back to when there's a tough choice in front of me is this idea of every choice we make nourishes something. And that helps to release some of the guilt or the shame that I feel when I'm making a decision that maybe is going a little bit against the grain for myself or those, you know, those choices that are hard because I don't have enough practice in saying no or setting boundaries. Um, it's just remembering that every choice we make nourishes something. And mm. it's, I think, just a different perspective. Uh you're all making me think of this phrase from couples therapy, small things often. And I just started doing some um, more couples work and it's like the number one piece of advice for you know, romantic relationships, but it's making me think, but all relationships is like small things often. And that ultimately helps nourish ourselves, our relationships and, and others. Um, yeah, small things often. Yeah. Yeah, even as small as I, you know, I know in, in my own routine, it's like sometimes, okay, just like 
five minutes. Sometimes it's like running to the bathroom and back to the computer. But now it's like going to the bathroom, taking another minute to go step outside in the backyard for a minute. Like just let your eyesight adjust. Take a, take a minute of breath. Then, okay, come back to work. Uh, and even, you know, just uh, even in just small, tiny increments of whatever brings a sense of a little bit more balance and you'll know what's right for you. Right. And then being able to continue with, uh, there's always pressures of the day, right? Whatever is happening in the day, whatever is coming at us. And then we've got to make the decisions for, okay, what do we lean into and what do we say yes to versus no to? Um, and thank you so much for sharing all the examples today that have been super awesome. I'm curious. I know we're coming up on time. Any last thoughts that um, I'd love to actually hear from our from from the guests that we have on is just what what's maybe one thought you'd want to share that's coming up for you as a result of the conversation today and what you're taking away from it? I would say figure out that, well, I would say nourishment and curiosity can look different for each of us. For me, as of late, it's dance parties, like just dance parties. So yeah, nourishment and curiosity for yourself. What does that look like? Love it. Thank you. Richie or Katie, either of you want to go next? Definitely nourishment and curiosity top of my mind but one thing that's coming up for me is it takes a lot of courage like all the things that we shared and discussed it takes courage to acknowledge and then work to improve um so i think yeah be courageous and be good to yourself yeah the thing that's coming up for me is you know how nick opened the meditation and the thing that I come back to so often is find the breath that's right for you, find the nourishment that's right for you, find the curiosity that's right for you. And, you know, as, as Courtney was saying, it looks different for all of us. Um, and in that sense, it gives us permission to kind of try on curiosity, different curiosity shirts or, you know, different uh, curiosity hats, right? And um, just kind of choose the one that's right for us in the moment. Yeah, giving ourselves permission that we have the permission to define that which is right for us. Uh, and it's, there's just that that little little but large switch you know all within ourselves that has to that has to first say like, okay, yeah, what's not right here? And then the right how and whatever the right next step is will present itself. So sort of like, you know how Rich, you were saying, hey, I'm kind of, I'm trying to figure out the house, but you're already asking the question of like, okay, yeah, something's got to change. And the right how will show up in time. Perfect. Well, perfect. Well, team, thanks so much for showing up, for giving us your time, your thoughts, your opinions. Uh, I know we all learned a lot. And I'm sure everyone listening will too. So again, thank you so much. We're, we're deeply grateful and honored that you spent your time with us and your knowledge. And um, we'll see everyone else in the next Conscious Conversation. Thanks so much for listening in.
Thanks for listening in. If you want any more information about our guests today, uh, about any of the sessions or, or offerings that were presented, uh, as well as about myself, Nitin, or Nick here, you can find all the links to our websites and uh, how to get in touch with us through the episode notes. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you heard, share it with friends and family, spread the love, spread the collective consciousness, and help us raise the consciousness as a whole.